We are live. <laughs> We are live. Something, something sucks. Hello. <laughs> That's the best start, no? Amazing. <laughs> That's a great start. Yeah, actually, we, we know that uh, knob twiddlers uh, mean something. So, you know, for people who don't want to uh, uh, use that name, you can also say rotary encoders twiddlers hang out. <laughs> I think that's a safer one. <laughs> that's the the you know the R rated or whatever. Anyway, good evening, everybody. Good to see you all. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tonight we are talking with um, Sebastian Mollart. He's joining us from um, Sweden, uh, somewhere in the woods. He just told me. Um, I know I've seen your studio. It's uh, it's totally remote, but we'll we'll get back to that. So. Um, amazing uh, location. Uh, welcome, Sebastian. How are you? Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. Pleasure yeah, to good to have you, you on. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, um, we never met in person. No, it's strangely enough, we did For many, many years. Yeah, strangely, strangely enough, we haven't. But um, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I've been familiar with, uh, with your projects uh, for, for ages. So um, it's really nice to speak to you tonight and, and pick your brain about everything. So... Um, Very cool you're here. Um, also joining us from Wales is Stevio. Uh, Hi. Sitting in his spaceship over there. <laughs> you're also in a very remote location, right? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's not exactly remote, but it's, uh, it's remote from civilization in the sense <laughs> that it's not near a city or, or anything like that. But yeah. I suppose you could call it remote, yeah. I would say that it's remote. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not near a city, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, my, my location is I'm right downtown uh, in, in my city in Rotterdam. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a hell of a lot of difference, you know. It's, when I walk outside, it's uh, restaurants, bars, uh, schools, you know, everything. So um, very different from where you are. Anyway, um, also Tulpa Dusha, Anna, is uh, joining us from Amsterdam. Good evening, Anna. How are you? Good evening. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm also right in the center of Amsterdam, just like you described, coming out of my house and seeing all the, you know, restaurants and all the active life. So, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have your studio in your house as well? I have very, very minimum here. I'm quite a minimalist uh, person in my nature. So, for example, like the moment my setup starts to grow, I immediately drop it to modular moon because my mind is, starts to wander around from one interesting device to another. So I'm deliberately sticking to the 7U format, uh, which I transform with time the moment I switch to different style of music or whatever happens in my personal development as an artist. You know when you work with modular how quickly you um, uh, grow and learn new devices and then you outgrow them and then you want something more complicated. Uh, so Stevie was probably familiar to that uh, <laughs> recycle uh, loop <laughs> of our rack. So yeah, um, I have very minimum at home like new Russian synth come over and I'm testing them at the moment and uh, will add them probably to my setup as well as an extra voice because sometimes I'm lacking extra voice because I'm sticking to a relatively small setup. 
and the rest of equipment. I have Pacarana here, uh, but that's like entire its own world. And uh, fortepiano uh, and the voice recording uh, microphone. So, and uh, one traveling uh, OP1, you know, just not to be bored. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm quite a minimalistic person in that sense. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I guess everybody who's working in in studios finds ways for themselves to add some restrictions to um, to the arsenal that's available. I guess you know because um, if I look, for example, in uh, the place where Stevio is sitting, uh, you know, the there are, there are like infinite amount of possibilities. So, so Stevio, do you have any strategies to keep things? simple enough to be control to make it controllable and and flexible enough to to be free to improvise how how do you manage that with so much gear around you yeah uh it's deceptive because really <laughs> um i don't use all this gear i a lot of the equipment in the studio is stuff i bought in the 90s uh i don't use a lot of it anymore i occasionally use some uh i mean you've got the 909 the 303 and the two 101s and I don't really use them anymore. Um, I've also... <laughs> That's the conclusion I came to at some point and then I thought like, why am I carrying that all around and my back start to hurt? Like, you know, so, I'm sorry, but that's like personal. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not, it's not that, that I might not use them again, but at the moment, uh, what, what you can see just directly behind me here, the, the two cases of modular stuff, that's mm -hmm. all I'm using. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, so basically, I'm jamming on just that and nothing else. Um, and that is what I take to gigs as well. So I just lift these two cases out, put the lids on, and off I go to a gig. Um, and the rest of the stuff in the studio, occasionally I might plug something in just for an extra sound or something. But... I try just to uh, improvise on this modular stuff here behind me because I want to be able to do exactly the same thing in the studio as I do live. I don't want there to be any difference. Um, so I've also, out of shot here, I've also got a lot of compressed gig, you know. Um, I, 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 I want to be, be able to plug this gear here into the into the system at the gig and it's exactly the same as in the, as, as I do in the studio. So it's, you know, I've got the equipment, but that's just from years and years of gathering equipment. Um, but I stopped when I bought the modular stuff, I s started to stop using the other gear and gradually, <laughs> gradually bit by bit, I got it down to just these two cases and that, and that's all I use. But it's still a hell of a lot of stuff. So how do you how do you um, still you know focus your your instrument in a way that um, that it's um, doing what you wanted to get out of it? Because I mean, even with uh, just one one rack of with maybe you know six seven modules, you can potentially play for days and, and years. You know. Yeah. So how 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 do you? Do you have like well, a system to it, or is everything yeah. has, has has like? Did you divide it in functions, or how did you how did you go about that? So so basically, um, the reason it's so big is purely because, first of all, I like big, 
I like big controls. I like big knobs on things. I don't like tiny little fiddly knobs and stuff, especially for, uh, you know, for playing live. Um, and also I've got very big sequences in that, in this rig. So the sequences take up, well, about a quarter of that case and a quarter of the other case. So, and they're, they're, it's all analog. So there's, there's, there's only one digital, sorry, two digital modules in the whole rig. So everything's just bigger, you know. You could probably have something half that size and it would function. You could be able to get the same uh, functions from it. But I, it's taken me a long time to get to this point where I'm using what I really want to use. All this stuff over here. You can't see some of it because of the stevio thing in the corner there. But all this stuff is is where I do my experiments. So I I've got these are all old modules that I used to have, I used to use in the in the main rig. But then I decided, no, I'm not so sure about that. I'm going to get something that's better. And so I gradually got to the point where everything in the rig I really like. Everything's really good. Everything's. Um, designed purely for you know it's it, the whole rig's designed purely for improvisation so i don't have any saved patches i don't have any saved sequences um it's all i do everything completely on the fly so the sequences have to be easy to control you have to be able to you know they've got to have good switches and and buttons so that you know it's not it, there's no menus or anything like this um so it's just a, it's just a pure analog approach to it. Um, I've got nothing against uh, you know digital gear, and I've got nothing against menus. But for a, a live improvisation, if I, if I want to really get lost in the music, I don't want anything planned out. I want it to happen in real time. So so yeah, so that pretty much sums it up. Um, and a lot a lot of the modules in there are very performance related. So. I've got, uh, you can't really see without me moving the camera, but this, I've got two of these modules here. It's a hint and switch mix. And it's basically an eight by eight switch uh, matrix. And so if I, so to make tunes, I actually mix and match different sequences together and add them together in, in this. It's a precision adder. So all the, uh, all the CVs coming in go out exactly the same. There's no loss or anything. So I can add notes together and they come out. So if I add a, a, a D to a G, it will come out as a, an A uh, because you're adding two semitones to to a G, so you get an A. So I'm, I play the tunes on this. It's a bit like a keyboard, I suppose, but a different format altogether to a normal keyboard. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, you know, I could talk for hours about it. So I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to hog the whole thing by explaining it all, but yeah, um, it's a lot simpler than it looks from where you are because it a lot of it is just a lot bigger than what most people's modules. You know, a lot of people have modules with menus, and therefore they're much smaller. Whereas this is, you know, my sequences like this. You know, so so yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I think. Yeah, well, you know, the, the interesting aspect that I, I always uh, I'm interested in is, um, especially with modulars or any live rig, really, is uh, how people manage to uh, find the right balance between uh, possibilities and sort of open-ended uh, 
um, you know, arsenals of, of sounds and, and whatever, drum sounds, whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the actual controllability of it, you know. So because if you play live, you want to be able to basically go wherever your music takes you, right? And, um, yeah. and that balance between uh, ma having it manageable uh, and and still open enough to to completely meander and wander off in, into different directions. That's something that takes some some thought process in advance. And and I'm I'm always interested in how people solve this problem. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> no go uh, because ahead. it was like, uh, but yeah, there is this uh, like uh, to me it is always like a thought process first. So I would plan the whole setup because I also have to limit myself to the format I, I chose. As a traveling artist, you want to be able to you know jump into the airplane, take a backpack, and perform. And I belong to psychedelic trance scene, and sometimes gigs are very far in the mountains. I had the gigs in Himalaya, you know, where you have to climb up to get to the party. So you want to be very flexible, you know, and uh, I was always into this like one backpack kind of uh, mentality because I love nature and I also want to be able to be like very free, you know, in that sense. So that's why the seven year format was a choice for me at the moment. But uh, actually, the more I, the deeper I go into modular, I shift more into digital world at the moment. And now I'm kind of using both. Like I have the DFAM, which is like analog voice. And I also use a Nerd Sequencer that is very powerful sequencer where you can have also your modulations into in it, control voltages, you can have all your melodies, everything pre-programmed. But that is a little bit, yeah, like you were mentioning, but like, yeah, there's certain like, predictivity for your live performance, which I also try to avoid in a way. But then again, if I'm uh, talking, if I am booked to perform uh, psychedelic trance, for instance, then this is the style of music requires certain uh, pre-work to do, to be done. Because every four, eight bars, something is changing. And uh, when you, uh, with minimal techno, there's way more uh, time. It's slower. It's a 128, 136 BPM. So you have more time to go into the jazzy kind of mode and, you know, do atmospherics around it. So, so that's like one, one way. And then when I shift to uh, psychedelic trance, like yesterday I was supposed to perform and I accidentally completely forgot about it because I was busy with new synthesizers. And then uh, I was like, okay, I should quickly write for you one hour now. And then I thought like, wow, but this side trance, I, the way I hear it in my heart, I would need a couple of days reprogramming everything. And then I spoke to the guy, I said, you know what? Sorry, I will drop you the, the previous recording. Like, I'm really apologizing, but I just like didn't want to have this uh, let's do something quick because like, you know, so yeah, there is this, uh, like, I think music style predefines how you actually treat it, you know, if you are into the minimal or into ambience, then you collect according tools and create the setup to yourself and pre-plan your performance. Normally, I think in time terms, so I would think, okay, there would be some beginning and then there would be some progress in the middle, then maybe some withdrawal a little bit back closer to the second part and then we progress it up you know into high uh, like if we talk about dancing music no so yeah there is this approach that you want to be chasing you know in your mind 
it will be primary intellectual work where you imagine kind of all this, like um, your goal first of all, and then goes the technical part. Okay, if I want to have this type of baseline, or if I want to change in like I don't know, like uh, from this key into that key um, in that moment, and but yes, again, like I would say that. You know, see it this way, like there would be 30-40% where you will be pre-planning your steps and your performance. And then there's going to be like 60% where you don't know where you're going to go. Because at some moment, some sounds, you, you suddenly, you know, open the resonance and suddenly there's this extra tones coming up higher on tone. And then you, let's say, so press the, a sample on and then suddenly there's this created a third um uh, you know, mu uh, form, musical form. And this musical form will also um, say, challenge you to work with it in a way. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like the music is creates itself in the moment of time and you mm. just follow it in a way. Like, like uh, I think... Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess what you're saying now is pretty much the essence of playing live, right? So it's, you, you, um, you... I mean, you can have different strategies. You say you prepare, like, uh, some basic uh, guidelines or a system and then Im improvise with whatever you've you've uh, prepared in advance um, personally I don't do that at all it's like it's especially the last year when I did all the improvisations with other people it was basically uh, a matter of using a setup that I know really really well so I know everything about it it's like t I'm totally fluid with it but I never prepare anything so it's like I make everything on the fly every sound on the fly every everything on the fly and it's it's simple it's a simple setup but it's enormously versatile it has a huge range of of, of possibilities so uh, for every yeah. given situations where you find yourself in you have a way out you can you can find a way to to make it work you know um sebastian what what is your strategy to build a life setup what is important for you when you when you choose your um weapons yeah, I have kind of a, a mixed, uh, a combination of a digital world and an analog hardware situation. Um, and I kind of, since the 90s, I've been exploring all kinds of different ways and different setups and kind of trying to find, and I think this is important that there are so many ways of playing and, and people should choose a way that feels free for them because I think that's what we want to feel is that freedom. How can we express something we feel um, how can we lose ourselves and feel comfortable in that? And, and we're all different. We have certain similarities, but we are different. So we need to try things and sooner or later come across this thing that, wow, I feel at home. I feel this safety. And because of that safety, I can take a step out in something that is unknown. And then suddenly the magic can happen. So for me, to really try to quickly uh, describe it, uh, you could say that like half the the side of the set is based on Ableton, where I have sketches. So I have sketches that are made in the studio, uh, which are very simple, and I have them on uh, 12 channels, so I can control them. I've been kind of floating between having big mixers, uh, going with three Model 1 mixers, and now I'm in a phase where I'm using K2 controllers for this for the sketches. So I, I can adjust everything. So it's just short loops. So, but it has the full spectrum 
of a basic song, you could say. And then I have hundreds of hundreds of these sketches that I stretch from you know, deep ambient to classical music to banging techno to trance. It's all kind of stuff and I keep all of them in the same set. So I catch, can choose to kind of start off on, on any sketch I want to. And then the other side of the set is, is the drum machines, all the synthesizers, the outboard effects and stuff. And on that side, I have nothing planned. I don't have any sequences, no MIDI planned, uh, uh, also a lot of loopers. Uh, so I use the sketches to start somewhere, and then I start to improvise. And with the sketches, as I contr control each sound of these 12 sounds individually, I can also choose to actually just use one or two sounds from a sketch and actually build like 90% of the sounds from only hardware. Uh, or even 100%, um, and then loop myself and, and get lost in the hardware, and then I can return back to different sketches. So for me, that also helped me to kind of, because I think that's also important, like when performing live, how can I take my passion from playing instruments or being in the studio, and I kind of bring that to the stage. And for me, I, I really love sound design. I really love to sit in the studio and just mantrically create sounds, and, you know, mixed weird noises with melodies, with rhythms, and, you know, use hardware gear and digital stuff in the computer to create sounds and that can even be really long phases of sounds. And these stuff, I don't feel that I can do on stage. You know, these subtle things where the compressors start to grow and you know if you have three four oscillators and they start to vibrate with each other and you start mm. to find that specific little weird rhythm and uh, this stuff is not something that for me happens on stage because I, I can't hear it that well I can't bring all this stuff I have in the studio yeah. so with the sketches I have a possibility to capture that passion of mine and take these sounds onto stage and then with the instruments and I use mostly keyboards and, and drum machines then I can add my love for playing keys uh, mm. and, and adding that feeling there. So it's kind of a, a mixed world. Yeah, is it important for you, I guess it's a question to all of you, is it important that um, whatever you manage to uh, create on stage is in some way representing what people uh, know from, from you? Like, uh, does it need to represent earlier works or uh, familiar stuff or um, or are you okay if if it is if it turns out something uh, in, in some completely different uh, realm you know is it because you that question came up because you say you use sketches and it is in a certain way an arsenal you can draw from uh, which is yeah. familiar to yourself right so um, how much should it represent um, what people know you for or uh, um, is that important to you? I don't care at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. I have so much sketches, and and the sketches can also be made so fast. So you know, it can be that I sit one day and there's five new sketches uh, that I right. throw into the lives that I just drag and drop. And normally, because I keep all different projects, everything in the same project, uh, I can really also choose to play things that maybe normally would not be very common in that situation. Mm. If I play a trance festival in the desert, suddenly I start to play classical music uh, from my classical projects and, and add sounds from that. Uh, or when I'm playing in a techno club, suddenly it comes trance sounds. Or, you know, just to 
but it's not really intentional. So I, I really try to the way I play to to just feel what do I feel for now and yeah. not think about that at all. Um, but then of course somehow you you normally have some kind of voice, and I think you know I can hear myself in all different sounds I do. Uh, so so I think that can also kind of speak for for it, but beyond genres and styles of music. Mm. But I don't what? care. Uh, I think it's better just to, to not care. And my Circle of Light project was one of the intentions behind that was exactly to to put myself and invite other people into a setting where we we try to crash our own uh, prejudgments and expectation and also the audience. So, for example, if we have a show of eight hours and no one in the audience know who's going to play when and who's actually playing. Sometimes it's two, sometimes four, sometimes one. And suddenly that gives, that opens this room like, oh, I can actually play ambient now in the middle of the night. Or mm -mm. I choose to just come in and play in the end. And um, so I really wish for people to, to feel that freedom of, of losing or letting go of what is expected from you or what yeah. is expected from a specific place. Um, yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to the circle of life uh, thing because it's, it's, I think it's a, it's amazing, uh, it's an amazing concept to um, put a bunch of people together and and then just improvise. I've I've done many of those as well, you know, in, in at store, but we'll get back to that later because I was wondering, <laughs> uh, Stevio, your 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 sets and your recordings are pretty much uh, the same thing, right? So you uh, like as. Uh, as I just asked Sebastian, how important is it for you to, um, for your live sets to represent, um, you know, your sound, your recordings, but you actually um, record your albums live as well. It's it's all improvised. So sometimes uh, it is in a live situation and other times it's it's for uh, for release. But um, do you do you do you think it's important that they they match in some way? I'm not sure if it's important, but it's something that I tend to do. Um, uh, unlike Sebastian, I, I think my my sounds generally at, at live gigs is pretty much the same kind of sound every time I play. I, I kind of play at certain tempos and uh, in certain keys, and and you know, it's just a sort of a, st a general style that I've sort of developed, which I. I kind of stick to. Um, it doesn't mean I can't do the other things, um, but maybe I feel safe when I'm doing that. I think Sebastian's a bit more uh, sort of daring, uh, mixing classical stuff, and you know, it's I, I haven't got the uh, I don't know I, I haven't got the knowledge of of lots of different types of music to draw on. I, I've sort of come up through a, a kind of well, I started out as a drummer and then I was a guitarist and a bass player. Uh, but then when I started doing techno, um, I started, well, I started doing acid techno. It was really banging fast techno and gradually slowed down, um, gradually kind of introduced, um, introduced, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, I gradually sort of introduced other elements that I wasn't, I mean, for a start, a lot of people say what I'm doing is quite jazzy uh, now, but it wasn't before. It was, it was just, it was banging techno when I started out. 
Um, and it isn't deliberate. It's just, it sort of comes about through the mathematics in the music. You know, it's like using uh, step sequences in different step lengths and things like this um, and using polymeters. It kind of brings out those sort of things. So I'm not deliberately trying to do that. Um, it's just how it comes out. And so I suppose I've got a way of playing that um, has developed and it's, you know, it's not massively, I'm not massively adventurous at going away from that at the moment, but it doesn't mean that I won't in the future. It's just at the moment I'm kind of, I'm kind of a bit fixated on, on how I'm doing it uh, and trying to perfect it. So it, it's like the, the gear behind me there, it's, it's an instrument. It's just one instrument and everything's, it's all in one place. Everything's there, the sequences, the, the percussion, everything. Um, and I'm just trying to get really good at playing that instrument. It's just like mm. any other instrument. Um, and it's taken a long, long time. So I'm not being too adventurous and trying to do too many different things. I'm trying to stick with, uh, stick with what I'm trying to get right first. And then maybe once I've, got a bit more uh, fluent with that then I can branch out a bit and do do other things I mean I have released uh, more sort of ambient style tracks and things like that but it's not my main thing and most of the time I'm playing in dance clubs and another thing is you know when you're playing in the night as well because a long time ago I was on towards the end of the night because I was playing quite fast music uh, whereas I've slowed down so I kind of usually ask if I can play earlier, you know, earlier in the night. So maybe, you know, sort of not, not at the first set, but maybe the second or third set in the night when there's not so much pressure on you to bang it out. And so I sort of found a sort of a niche in a way, I suppose. And I don't think it's important to do that, but I just, it's just what I do. I think it's just how I've I, I tended to develop over the years. So I think that probably answers that one. Yeah. Brilliant. What uh, What about you, um, Anna? Do you do you uh, fully improvise and do do your records or recordings um, need to be represented in what you play live, or um, you don't you care either, <laughs> like Sebastian? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, technically speaking, uh, for instance, if I do the... Because Tulpa, it started as a DJing and playing psychedelic trance scene, dark progressive, heavy, you know, but psychedelic trance is kind of like expects you to have certain form. It's predefined by the genre itself. Uh, but uh, and when I do the Dusha uh, songs, it's, uh, it's, there's lyrics, there's, uh, I sing in there, there is also strings in there. I also uh, tend to uh, jump into orchestral music a lot uh, because of my background. My father is uh, all my life there, you know, with our orchestra. And um, so it kind of speaks for itself. And at some point, of course, you collect certain material. Uh, let's say sometimes I take uh, parts of the songs from Dusha uh, releases where, where I like, where I sing a form uh, like self-love or something like this, you know? And I want to put it into the song because they say, oh, self-love. Okay, let's put some thought into that. 
And then, of course, it kind of like uh, is interlinked and crosses itself in a way. But then again, like I discovered that you can create any sound from any other sound. So at some point you kind of become very flexible in that sense. You take uh, your own sample, pitch it down, you know, stretch it up, uh, put it into the reverb, and then suddenly all this like whoa, big uh, ambient uh, layer. And then you start to jump from that and um, add a bass line, a kick, or whatever, a uh, hi-hat. Like, the moment defines itself, and the feeling I experience at the moment, uh, like music transmits emotions by a lot, and so often I feel that, okay, I feel tonight, I want, I feel sad a little bit, you know, for example, and I start to patch and uh, take some part of the sad song I wrote for the Shah, you know, and then start to do something around that. So... To be honest, yeah, I'm kind of also more flexible type of person. I stick to expectation of the style. If if I'm booked to perform minimal techno and I know that I will be playing between 2 and 3 a.m., then, of course, I already know, okay, what's going to be happening with people at that time and what they would be expecting from me and that context in that party. And if it's... Uh, psychedelic trance and it's like 4 a.m. in the morning and I know, okay, that's going to be 152 probably and we really need to make it very heavy, you know. So I'm flex flexible in that sense. And now there was this, um, there's Modular World, they are uh, celebrating one year, one anniversary and they invited to, to be a part of that and I made for them a little improvisation of three, mi three minutes where I decided, okay, why am I not adding my vocal? I really love to sing. And I was having this block about like actually standing up and singing. And only last year I started to kind of remove this blockage uh, from my psychic, you know, because it's all interlinked. Like uh, how confident you feel around your skills. Uh, like, you know, for yourself, it's also like a very, very big psychological work behind uh, going into the moment when you are actually very relaxed and very confident and you know it's not just technical it's also something that you oh absolutely yeah I mean the the thing is you know you you want to reach the the point eventually where you where, where you always feel comfortable and and totally uh, mm. unafraid to to go anywhere you want you know but um, a lot a lot has to do with how you um, you can work on yourself and and kind of try to with various techniques or uh, you know just uh, you know confidence in yourself to to reach the point where you are yourself. But there's always circumstances that are not under your control, like you know sound system, uh, you know the actual uh, physical location, uh, how what time you are playing, and all these things. You know they they can even though you are uh, feeling confident to do whatever you want to do uh, those things can still interfere in in how uh, yeah how, how much you can still be in the moment and forget about all these things you know that that is something that is uh, uh, always different that's true yeah that's why my position relatively that question is more flexible I guess in a way so yeah like I don't predefine and also I don't really like repetitions like for instance when I I love artists like Bjork but I don't I can't imagine how can you sing your own songs for 10 years all over, all over again. So mm. that's for me would be like, uh, but that's my character because I'm always going, I don't like uh, to go back. You know, I'm always going forward. You know, when I, even when I wait for the bus, if I lost the bus, I would rather walk a couple of uh, 
stops uh, some not to wait, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's, it's your character that plays a role as well, you know? Yeah, I can totally relate to that because um, when I do a live improvisation, I want to be as much surprised by what, what is, is happening as, as anybody mm -hmm. who is spectating, you know? Um, it is, yeah, it's a funny, um, it's a funny way of, of, uh, um, dealing with music because you are basically in the moment and as much, um, unaware of what's coming next as anybody else. And, um, you know, trying to kind of ride that, that sort of balance of danger and, and comfort, you know, <laughs> I, I really like the, um, you know, the interaction between the two. Uh, things you know like uh, mm -hmm. if it's too easy you know I tend to get bored and and mm -hmm. you know be shitty you know and, I have and, same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know and and it if it's too dangerous and things can will actually go wrong you you mm -hmm. put yourself in a in a bad position so it's it's the sort of fine line between um, uh, be comfortable and putting yourself in a in an uncomfortable situation so you can oh, yeah kind of fight your way out of it. That's where the magic mm -hmm. happens, usually for me anyway. How's that for you, uh, Sebastian? I think you defined it perfectly. Oh. <laughs> I think so too, yeah. Danger needs to be there, right? To, yeah. Exactly, and I think, like when it's, I think we can also compare this to a, a spiritual perspective. It's like when, when we start to, to practice on spirituality, uh, I think, it's very clear that when we feel really safe and we feel really balanced and we feel really strong, that's when something pops up. Then suddenly we, we can k deal with something that is very difficult. Uh, maybe an emotion comes up that is very heavy and difficult. And I think it's the same in music when we improvise. I, that when we, when we can create this safety and really stand there safe and playing and know it, we invite mistakes, we invite the unexpected. We, we can look danger in the eyes and say, come here, and then we can play with it. Uh, suddenly it's not scary to, because it's also like Anna said, with a psychological part. Um, for me to perform is so much to, to let go of what is expected, to let go of, of this need to show something specific, to like, you know, people around you that you work with like, okay, go up, kill it, uh, you know, do the best show. And then it's like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do a good show. I want to go up there and I want to rest in my space to mm -hmm. be able to be transparent and honest and share what I feel. So that also means that when, when I can feel that space and that safety, I can also be shy, I can be sad, I can do mistakes, I can completely fuck it up, and it's okay. And suddenly when I dare to do that, I allow things to go wrong, and that helps me to do the magic uh, mm. and feel the moment and somehow crack this shell of what I can do, uh, because that's also a psychological image we put on ourselves. And sometimes Absolutely. I feel when I'm playing, when playing, it it takes it takes a bit of time. For me, it's like uh, like Stevio, um, and I think also you, Joachim. When I arrange music, when I record records, I only improvise. Uh, I I had a you know long journey of 
having a more linear approach, sitting in Logic and Pro Tools, building songs, uh, and then slowly, slowly, until a few years ago, 100% I just record left-right uh, stereo mix, and I don't do any post-production on the, on the <coughs> recordings. And for me, when I'm sitting and doing this in the studio, it's a process. The final recording is a product of everything I felt. Like Anna also said that, you know, maybe I take this thing and this sample and then I play around, I loop it. Suddenly you are somewhere and suddenly you are in that safety, the space and things are just happening. And for me to let that happen on stage, I need to, to put myself in a place where they, this is allowed. So again, with Circle of Life, this was also part of the experiment, like not thinking so much about what to play, absolutely nothing actually, and not think about uh, any technologies really, but focus on, on the, the spiritual side of things, on the warmness about accepting each other, welcome, inviting each other, and tell each other, you're perfect. Play whatever you want, <laughs> yeah. whenever you want, and suddenly see what happens when we when we have this approach to ourselves and others around us. And for me, it's so it's so clear that of course there is this shell, and you know you need to find it each other. You need to battle a little bit with yourself and the crowd, and you know you know you have thoughts popping by and. You know, all kind of things happen, or someone tells you something, or like that kind of triggers and, and insecurity, or whatever it can be. But if you get time to improvise and play a little bit longer, slowly, slowly, that disappears, uh, and then we can really play for the sake of playing, not the sake of shangers or what's expected or what do the crowd want. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, for me, it's, it's so much psychology uh, and spiritual. Liberation, no? Um, like a meditation to yeah. actually be yourself in the moment of time without all this, like, hey, go do this, go do that, or I must do, do that, or I must, like, like I was, uh, in my life, uh, I had quite strict sister, and, like, you know, there was always, you must, kind of thing. And that took me some time to kind of break that finger <laughs> and bite that. And I say, no, I must not, you know, I just, I'm me, you know. And so it was for me, maybe it was my teacher to realize that, you know, to actually, like, she provided to me this experience uh, that I could re revolu revolution, create a revolution inside of myself and trust myself enough you know to my taste to to my technical skills to my own calmness at the moment of time at the moment of performance and you know really because i think also crowd they pick up your frequencies if you are nervous you really feel that people are immediately also and you don't want that you want them to actually relax and to actually go through this med meditative process because dancing is actually a meditative process you know you stop the the monkey inside your head that all the time is blah, 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 go do this, go by this, you know, worry about this. And uh, the moment is gone, you suddenly really see that you are like a channel. You're channeling some, some you know, music is, uh, is invisible, right? But yet it's there. Uh, like, I mean, so it's it's invisible world in a way. And we suddenly become all together that moment, you know? And uh, I think that's that's the end goal, like when you actually can 
remove this attachment to your your own image, your own false ego. You know, that's it's called false ego if you study uh, uh, some disciplines uh, like Vedic knowledge or Hindu or Buddhism or things like this. I don't know if you, I know Sebastian is in that, uh, but I don't know if you guys are into this kind of disciplines. But uh, so they teach a lot how the how we are. As humans being beings, what are how are we made of? You know, there is a manual to synthesizer and there is a manual to you. You know, as a being. So, and a part of that is actually like uh, in those uh, ancient descriptions, there is this uh, false ego concept, which you become throughout the lifetime. It kind of like shapes you as a temporary matrix. You know, that you live through. And then there is the higher self, which is your spirit, your own soul that is reborn all over again. Uh, and then there is even higher form of you, which is called Paramatma, that is a, a god, a god particle, basically. Um, I mean, I don't want to go too far in that, you know. But basically, yeah, music is absolutely can be a way of finding your own self, like um, because actually the goal of life overall is to be conscious, you know, to to ask questions, to learn, to like this spiritual uh, life that uh, Sebastian mentioned is real. At least for me, it's real, you know. And so, music is for me is also a process of liberating myself as well, in a way, you know. And then passing it on to others. And and yes, it's so challenging. And of course, you are nervous. And of course, you know. Um, Sometimes, like you were mentioning, sometimes you go into, you want to challenge yourself sound-wise and maybe you will be ridiculous at that moment and you're like, oh, I don't want to risk it, you know? But then again, at some point, if you're like, ah, oh, but who cares? Like, we're all dead anyway, you know? And then you're like, wow, but suddenly very open on the stage and you're like, phew, do all kind of <laughs> things. And sometimes you do, you know, sometimes I like to do sounds just in the name of the sound. Like, okay, how far can I go with this instrument? Like, what crazy stuff can that do, you know? Just uh, like removing the whole expectation of uh, genre or whatever or... So yeah, to me it's very uh, it's a path where I could actually free myself. I think like yeah, it's cool. To yeah, a certain I, degree. I I totally understand what you're talking about. I I mm. don't have any uh, you know I haven't really studied the, it the way you do, but uh, <laughs> my experience is uh, is basically built from. Um, you know, being shitty and making mistakes myself, you know, all the time, many, many times. Uh, and then gradually find out, you know, what, what buttons you have to push and what, what things you have to address in yourself to, to reach that comfort level or to reach that um, uh, state where you can actually... Um, there was a question about the audience, actually. I wanted to go, to go there with, mm -hmm. with this. But, um, you know... The, the worst thing you can do is actually have your environment uh, take you out of your uh, confidence because mm -hmm. um, you can actually force a room or uh, a group of spectators to kind of follow you, you know, it to, to really sort of, um, um, uh, yeah, you can, guide, you can guide people or, or um, mm -hmm. yeah, sort of manipulate the... the the atmosphere. If you if you are really sort of comfortable and in the moment, you feel that um, everyone around you or everybody is really listening to what's going on is is reaching that same state, and they 
you know, I think Sebastian calls it expectations, but you can take that away. You know, it's uh, you can you can actually by uh, demanding uh, space by you know working with dynamics or working with speed or you know the mm -hmm. what's going on in the sound. You can actually uh, demand people to 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 listen or to sort of follow you to go along with whatever you're mm -hmm. trying to do. And the, the the worst thing you can do is is break out of that and and be uh, you know become really rushed or uh, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's made that mistake, you know, everybody who's been on stage knows this feeling of being not being in control and, and, uh, yeah. and you know, just fuck it up, be, get really rushed and really sort of uh, insecure and everything. But um, after a while, you get to the point where you can actually go anywhere and, and, you know, sort of demand this, this state from, from yourself and everybody around it, around you. Oh, yes. Hmm? Go, Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also, it's, it's, I really agree with what you said. And uh, here I also think it's different, uh, also like Anna mentioned, different uh, characters of people. And I think this is also really important and what I try to encourage people uh, wanting to play live or kind of joining that ambition, that there is not one way of doing it. And what you describe now is one character of artists. And, and I know many artists that are really good in that. There's also some DJs that come in, they feel it, they see the crowd, ah, and they, they kind of demand this space, like you said. Uh, yeah, and you can't, you know, you can't escape it. It's like, wow. With demanding sound, demanding sounds a bit uh, aggressive. No, but I, but, I, yeah. I don't. I don't mean it's yeah. wrong. Uh, right. But I, I, yeah. I mean it's 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 one way of playing. And right. I think you should do that if that feels you. Mm. Uh, but I also know some concerts I've seen with the most nervous person on earth, <laughs> also being some of the most beautiful concerts I ever seen. Uh, when that is true. And that is transparent and honest and like shaking and you can mm. just feel the essence of that moment in that person at that time. Uh, that is also beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. And, it's oscillator. Uh, they are oscillated. Yeah, and, <laughs> and also to, to come back to the, the question that we got uh, down there on the screen, mm. uh, like interacting with the crowd was a question. Like if, mm -hmm. if any of us have the possibility to play be free when we're playing and at the same time actually connect with the crowd and play with the crowd. And for me, this is something that, and again, I think this is different characters. This is different personalities, different. Some artists are just amazing with connecting with a crowd, pleasing a crowd in a not bad way. I'm not judging that, but just feeling the crowd so much and putting the right record for that moment well and interacting and pleasing are not the same thing they're not the same thing no but i i, I mean not uh, pleasing in a bad way i mean uh, just really yeah it's, it's just different ways of doing it mm. uh, but then there are other artists and i feel a little bit myself i like to connect with a room and a crowd not by trying to understand them but to come into a dance that somehow feels connected to what i feel and then I start to feel them. So mm. in a way, I often try not to think about the crowd, not think about the time I'm playing, not think about the size of the room, and just start to play and feel the music myself. 
and then slowly this space is, is coming, and then I can open up my senses and feel the room, and suddenly it's an, more of an interactive play. Uh, but when, when I start to feel the room too much, then suddenly I get into these thought patterns. Okay, it's 3 a.m., a. I should play this tempo. And mm -hmm. I don't want that kind of thoughts to, to interact with what I play. Uh, so I try to go inwards and with the openness of playing. And like you said, Anna, dancing is a meditation. And I think all of us feel that being in the, in the dance scene for so many years, mm -hmm. dancing together many people is, is just an, an, an activity of presence. We all become very present and slowly, slowly we connect because we are connected. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we need to actually try to, to interact. I, mm -hmm. I think interaction comes by itself if we create space for it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's totally true, but it's, it's such a um, hard-to-describe thing, you know. It's, it's, it's very abstract, and it's also not linear. It's, uh, it is always in flux, you know, how much mm -hmm. um, you resonate with whatever in whatever environment you are and you know this is not like when it's on it's on it can still fluctuate while you are uh, mm -hmm. in the in that moment you know so it's it's very um, <laughs> it's very hard to explain to people who haven't performed like that you know but um, um, I yeah I, I agree you you can um, I think I think my way is is a little bit different from yours because you are um, sort of firstly trying to be open uh, to your own ideas. I usually uh, try or I usually sort of give start with something that is um, easy to digest or not easy to digest, but is actually mm -hmm. um, kind of what people expect. And then once I have them <laughs> once I grab the, their attention, you know. I I wander off in directions that they wouldn't believe uh, were possible to enjoy. Because um, if I would start with on on such a tangent, you know, I would lose them instantly. So I I yeah. sort of sort of move in a in you know uh, deeper directions as as I go on basically. And I I think that that works for me at least. You know. Um, what about yeah. you, Stevio? Uh, interaction think, with crowds yeah i think i think it's a mixture of what everyone said really um uh like you i kind of generally try to start with something that i know will just kind of some something that will get people interested and get people moving about and uh and then it, I, I can go off at tangents a bit after that um and yeah it's I don't think about it too much, you know. Uh, I think I um, when I once I'm once I actually start playing, I'm not not really thinking about that anymore. Uh, I just do what I'm doing, and I do feel like there's a connection with the audience, you know. I, I think most artists do. I think you you know if you're gonna play the people dancing, you you can see them dancing, you can see them enjoying themselves. You, you know, you you can feed off that energy. They they can feed off your energy. It's it's a kind of uh, I don't know how to describe it really. Um, uh, but I'm also I suppose in a way like like Sebastian. I th I think like what everyone has said. You know, all all you guys have said. I would kind of say I'm a mixture of all all of those things. Um, <laughs> I do, but I don't think too much. You know, I, I don't. 
I, I don't deliberately try to to do anything. So I don't I, interacting with the crowd. I, I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what that means exactly, you know. Well, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, and I think um, you shouldn't look at, at this as something you're doing consciously. It's it's all very intuitive, you know. So yeah, yeah. like you, I, I don't think about these things, but it's just a mechanism that uh, is is there, you know. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it's as much as you uh, you want to be fluid with your technical aspects of your your. your playing you know like you have to know your instrument mm-hmm. it's also good to be aware of the mechanisms how uh, how a performance uh, how, as a performer how you connect to a room how you how you can make yeah. uh, everything resonate in in a way that it makes sense for you you know yeah um, it's another you know it's just another bunch of buttons you, you can push you know <laughs> to me it's important <laughs> I interact with the crowd, but I think it's uh, natural, you know, because uh, I'm quite open person on my own. And like uh, when I go out, I sometimes I'm like uh, annoying to people and like going to them and say, hey, what time is now? <laughs> you know, something like that. I'm, I'm kind of like, how to say, um, I like to interact with people a lot. Uh, but uh, when during the performance, usually I'm, I have eye contact for sure. And of course, if I'm busy with patching and then, then of course I'm there in technical, but the moment I can, there is this moment I'm like created a break, uh, so, some, you know, nice uh, patch and I see that the song is flowing and it's uh, going and I know oh, now I have like maybe 50 seconds to dance and so immediately I start to dance and I always check out you know and so for me this conversation with people is important but uh, I guess I learned that the psytrance uh, world because in psychedelic scene like um, it's very uh, like um, how to say um, yeah, you see this energy interaction, what Stevia was uh, mentioning, like that the people also giving you energy and you give them energy. And in a way, you, you really see that flowing, you know, and I guess in, in my uh, performance, uh, yeah, it's a natural. I don't do that uh, like consciously, like, oh, now I have to interact with people. No, it's more like, hey, playing, playing. And then, oh, there's this moment and I see someone is like looking and I'm like, hey, do you like it? And, you know, things like this, like small kind of, I don't know. I see them happening. Yeah, in Mexico, I had the one I was performing, and three three guys standing right in front of the decks, like this, looking direct. You know, so I had no choice. I had to like say hola and all kind of stuff. You know, sometimes you kind of uh, have to. Uh, it also depends on your character. I think like I'm I'm very open, to very talky person. Like uh, I. Sometimes I have opposite moments when I'm like, oh, okay, now I need to be in my own world. And then I'm like hyper introvert. Then I'm really like, I have these two two things in my life. I've noticed. Uh, but uh, I think uh, contacting crowd is uh, nice, uh, but also giving them space to meditate and to find in your music whatever they want to find in that is also, I think, is important. Uh, like I try not, not to... Oblige people with ideas through music. I would prefer yeah, to yeah, yeah. Them free, you know. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, I mean that it's um, uh, you can see with people who are less experienced that they try to do too much, um, and you know they are afraid if they're not doing anything that uh, things will fall apart. 
-hmm. But once once you become more experienced, you also become uh, more confident that if you don't do something for a while, you know, like if you hold off and, you know, not change, make all these changes all the time, if you just let it be for a while, just let it sort of, um, you know, crystallize and, and, and resonate and everything, um, you leave more space for people who are uh, watching and listening to kind of create their own story and to kind oh, yeah. of um, um, yeah. leave room for other people's thoughts as well, you know. In, in that sense, it's a conversation as, as having a conversation with people. Um, if, you, if there's one, one person speaking all the time, there's no room for the others to say something. And, it, and it's very true for performance as well. You have to leave some, some space for other things to, to happen and, to, and also for people to notice where they are, you know, their surroundings, you know, it's if, if it's just one massive stream of information just coming from the performer, um, you're basically killing the opportunity um, to have a more rich experience. And it yeah. becomes tiring, becomes uh, exhausting for, for people to watch it. Yeah, I think it's uh, important to give people, uh, I mean, the Sacrance was everything around liberating yourself from isms. Like we were really philosophically driven in that. We were like, okay, we're full of isms. Let's remove all of that. So it was uh, this music, uh, like I spent 20 years in that world, you know, and perceiving this music in all kind of states and, so this uh, giving space uh, is very important, I think, at least in my vision. Mm. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you play with space as well, um, Sebastian, when you're performing? Is it something you think about? Absolutely. Um, I was going to say one other thing first, something that yeah, can go be for quite it. funny, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anecdotes, yay. The feeling of you know, being in the, in the, in the audience and... You know, when you've been dancing for a long time and, and you know, you become more and more present, it kind of, someone said something about the personality. Do you have a personality when, when, you, when you play? And I think, you know, when you're really present, you don't think about personality. You don't think what is music and what is you and what is dance. Suddenly, you're just so close to that experience. You're moving, you're dancing. There are sounds. And suddenly, it almost feels like, who is directing this? Is it me making the sounds or mm. is it a performer? What's happening? Is it my dance that kind of express the world around me? Uh, and for me, that, that feeling is to be really here. Uh, and for me, that's one of the main reasons why we should dance. Mm. And when playing a long time and you have an audience, it's quite often that you feel when a bigger part of the crowd or some people really are in that place you know you can you can feel it on their dance it's just oh they're so present and mm. sometimes if you get a connection with a person like that and they dance and mm. then normally i try to play really like that person <laughs> dance so mm. start to you know if they raise the hand i do something exactly like that. and suddenly you f you see at them like wow it is me Doing the sound, you know. When Sebastian play this sound, it's because I did like that. Yeah. And then I stop dancing, and then I take away the kick drum, and I like, oh. and I start to dance, and I, then I put on the kick drum. <laughs> I had the same feeling. Was uh, I was on the train from Copenhagen? I came from um, a tour, uh, was sitting on the train, and there was a mother with a child, and she was just on the phone all the time, and the child was kind of trying to get her attention, but couldn't get her attention. And then the child started to play with a doll, 
So she was kind of doing different movements with this doll. And then I pretended to be the doll. So <laughs> I, when she moved the doll, I also moved. Uh, and then she moved. Out, and then suddenly she noticed, like, what? So she started to shake it. And then I did like this. Yeah, Sebastian messing a, with people's minds. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then we had a 15, 30 minutes, you know, the whole train ride. We were playing. So then she started to do when I did something. And I think this is also a form of, this is very intentional, but this playfulness can also come from being very present. And suddenly, you know, you don't think if this is, you know, geeky or, you know, suddenly you, you just catch that moment. And it's not something I would plan to do, but suddenly in a certain moment that could just feel so beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a very specific interaction. <laughs> um, but um, but what did you ask before? That yeah, I'm space. also sometimes yeah, forgetting. The space, yeah. Me? Uh, yeah, I actually oh, I made forgot, I forgot, I forgot. Yeah, the space. <laughs> you said the, the, if I played with the space. I made oh, a yeah, record yeah. specifically investigating that. Giving space to people for personal interpretation. No, but playing with the room, kind of mm -hmm. like using the space where you are in and, and playing with that and, and, and giving attention to that. I think that's really important. And I made oh, you're, not, you're, talking about, you're, you're talking about acoustics now, or not? No, yeah, yeah, you said, I thought that was what you no, I was I, I, kind I, of... I, yeah, I, was t I, went, I, I meant space in a, in, in, uh, in a sense of the amount of information you're broadcasting, basically, ah, you know, like, uh, yeah. yeah, just... Um, the denseness of, of your um, your output. Yeah, that's uh, like you said uh, very often Density. in my recordings. Yeah. Um, I I intentionally leave a lot of space. Like mm. often when I sit here in the studio, and I come to a soundscape that I like and a kind of a rhythm or something. Normally, when I feel like wow, this is something, I want to add something. I want to sing. I want to play the violin. I want to play keys. I, I want to add a solo part. And very often then I feel I'm not adding that. I leave the record or the recording without that melody because exactly like you said, if I feel that ah, I want to sing, if I leave that for the dancers on, in the crowd, everyone will hear their melody. They will get an invitation to actually sing or imagine or like, and I think many people have had that, you know, dancing the whole night and then you're like, you have all these ideas. Ah, I heard this melody and this and and that's our creativity that starts to bubble and, and that's something that will not happen if we fill the the, the space of information like you said mm. but to really leave things out it has this room to to invite into creation and not think that you are the creator but creation takes place in the listener mm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the beauty for that's the beauty of, of abstract uh, music. You know, there's so much room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. That's true. When you're letting go, uh, yeah, that's also in a way. I think uh, this dancing experience, when you're actually dancing for more than twenty hours through twenty-four hours, you become one with everything. In a way, it's. Um, I think it's a spiritual experience and I think it's also evolutionary experience in a way because music, we are performing techno music, we are most of the time in a very hypnotic uh, form, 
which comes from shamanism, you know, shaman, shamanic practices in a way, if, you, if we also look through that aspect. And uh, dancing is also healing your body because all the fluids in your body are starting to um, faster, like uh, the purification starts to happen with your lymphic system, you know, so it's not just uh, uh, spiritual um, lift up from daily worries, so to say, but it's also beneficial to your physical body in a way. So I think this process even to a certain degree demands the freedom of interpretation because you travel inwards, you know? Yeah. What is it about repetition, though? I mean, people's yeah, people yeah, see pa pattern it. recognition, repetition, all that stuff is very. It's just how the brain works, I guess. Yeah, it's cycle, it's, it's clock, tick tick tick. You know, yeah. the heart also <laughs> like it's also pumps up. So we are kind of naturally uh, there is cycles, so day, night, uh, you mm. know, winter, uh, summer. It's always in the form of cycles. So the body also has those uh, natural cycles. And I think music can uh, for sure uh, reflect those ci internal cycles. And that's, that, this is where the healing starts, uh, because music is absolutely healing uh, power. It, it withholds healing properties, so to say. It heals your mind, it heals your spirit, it heals your body. And so this is actually studied absolutely uh, scientifically these days, you know, and um, it's interesting. Uh, turn. Yeah, this, one, this one is interesting. Repetition silences the mind. Maybe that's true. I mean, when, when, uh, when you have something your brain can kind of latch onto, mm -hmm. you're, you kind of, uh, uh, you know, join the autobahn to sort of uh, <laughs> infinity, right? Mm-hmm. And and it everything is sort of pointing in the same direction, and it focuses your 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 mind um, um, in mm -hmm. in, a, in a particular way. So yeah, I guess I guess that's true. Yeah, like tool of focusing. You know this uh, this uh, old meme when you see the Neanderthal and like first day in Ableton, and there's two stones, and <laughs> you see with two stones. You probably know it. Like it's very old. Uh, uh, joke. Uh, first day in Ableton, the guy is sitting with two stones like this, you know, and so it's kind of uh, draws a perspective, you know, in a way <laughs> of what it is. Um, yeah, it can be interesting. Ooh, a long question from Architect. I mean, I mean, uh, let's say hi to everybody who is uh, who is just posting comments, and we're we're always ignoring them. Sorry about that, people. But um, let's take this one. Uh, in live streaming performance, the visual aspect is very big, and for some performances, performers, an extra thing to control or play with. Are the guests today doing anything with the visual aspects of their performance? Well, I use makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I don't have to do anything actually. But uh, this part uh, I cover. But uh, regarding... have you done any? Have you done any streaming? Any any um, any streamed sets? recently like um me yeah 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 the, i think uh, that was the question that i think that was the question um you know is there anything you uh, uh, -huh. uh you, do you pay attention to the visual aspects basically uh me personally not but those who are uh, like saying hey we would like to stream and we want to add visual stuff to it please send us just very pure video so me personally, uh, like, yeah, visual graphics is 
I think it's entire profession. Of course, in the modular world, you can get a little device and it would transcribe all the audio into the images. And so there is new devices like that. And I wanted to purchase one for modular moon when, when we make parties, you know, to put it on a stage. So to pass through the signal just to have a generating Im imaginary part. But usually uh, I prefer to leave this part to someone who is professional and if I organize an event of course I uh, always add visual or uh, any decorations or any any like visual part is important uh, when I perform personally I don't but um, like for instance this I museum is going to do the like a film festival they're, they're invited to perform uh, but they wanted to have Dusha music so it's going to be also a challenging step for me to add a vocal on top and then they invited a person who would do all the visual uh, part for it so that's going to that's going to be new for me because it's uh, in a way a collaboration with the person who's doing the visual art so they really want to do it like conceptually kind of thing and it's a new thing for me yeah like so mm. i'm i'm looking forward to it yeah that's cool yeah there's so many things you can do to um, with the combination of, of sound and, and visuals. Um, mm -hmm. Personally, for, for the projects that we, we've done, um, we actually um, chose to make the visual um, very unimportant. Like mm -hmm. we do, we do the, the streams. I mean, even though the people are on camera and, and sort of jamming, uh, you can observe what they're doing, but... Um, I we chose to make it more from like a um, yeah like an observing perspective rather than uh, you know putting big lights on them and and make it like a a show you know what I mean so it's uh -huh. it's it's sort of like a there is a distance f from you take a distance from from uh, the people so they feel more comfortable just mm -hmm. you know being themselves and it's also the streams we did are not supposed to be. Uh, representing a club show or or an actual live show they they are basically just studio jams and people are fly on the wall just observing what people are doing in the studio without um yeah being too intrusive so it becomes um sort of um nerve-wracking if you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's like from a safe distance in black and white you know very um, observing and and it, it works for the for the the kind of stuff we do uh, so it's like anti-visuals, basically. <laughs> mm -hmm. You yeah. see, it's your own concept uh, that you're following, yeah. Because some other uh, streamers, are, they would would they deliberately would want to have visuals. So it depends on the organizers very often, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say that. Um, well, my situation is a bit different because um, I always work with my partner Susie B. She's she's a visual artist. Um, now the thing is, we haven't done any live streams. Uh, we we've kind of stayed away from them a little bit, um, but we have recorded our sessions in you know our jams and recorded them and put them on YouTube and this sort of thing. Um, I'm not sure why we haven't done any live streams yet. I, it, I think we were about to embark on live streams last year. Uh, and then all of a sudden COVID happened and, and everyone seemed to be doing live streams and it sort of felt like it was a bit flooded, you know, there just seemed to be lots of lots of stuff up there and it, it I just we just felt that it, we'd get lost amongst it. So 
Um, we, but we will do some at some point. Um, but basically, I don't play unless I play with Susie B. So it's a it's an AV show basically, um, and you know a we work together. One. Sorry, a beautiful, a beautiful one. one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and we just decided to do this quite a long time ago. Actually, I think it must have been. Well, we, we embarked on it in the early 2000s, the idea of it. Uh, but back then, the, the software wasn't there. The, the computers maybe weren't, weren't fast enough. And so we, we, at one point, there was no software for visuals. And, and we were going to pay someone to make some software. And then just around that time, someone came out with some visual software and we were like, oh, well, there you go. We, we, don't need to, we don't need to pay someone to do it anymore. <laughs> and since then, we've just kept on developing it. And uh, Susie does animations, so she does hand-drawn animations. And, uh, and then we, she puts them into Resolume, uh, which is a visual VJ software, and puts digital effects on and... So, you know, but we're still developing it. We've been doing it for a long time. We've been doing it for, as, a, as an actual AV show, we've, we've been doing it for about 10 years. Um, so how, but, how, does it, how does it work in terms of um, uh, connection? Are you both improvising on your own uh, pace and sort of responding to each other? Or is there an actual technical connection between the two setups? Well, wh when we first started, we had, um, we were using... Uh, uh, MIDI messages to trigger things in the visuals. So obviously we'd be we'd be synced up with the MIDI clock, um, and then but we also had MIDI messages. So if there was a change in the music, we would send a MIDI message to to some filter on the visuals or something. And so we we tried all of that, uh, and then we felt it was a bit restrictive for Susie because. She, she wants to improvise as well. So mm. it was a bit like she would have to, you know, she, she things would happen suddenly that she wasn't expecting or something. And so w we decided to let her be a, to do it in a freestyle. And so all we, all we do is link up with MIDI clock. Um, and, you know, and she works to that and jams along with me and we, we don't plan anything out. So, you know, she doesn't really know what I'm going to play. I don't know what she's going to play, but we sort of we've, we're so used to working together that it it, it sort of works, you know. Um, but we want to develop it further and maybe go back to the ideas of of having triggers and things from the music. Um, maybe not very strict ones, just just things that that might make a small change or something. Yeah, you can choose. You can choose to to make systems like that that are still generating all the information from your setup. But uh, if you find a way to uh, to basically just make them available as a, st a data stream, yeah, and then yeah. and then for Susie to to choose at any given moment to use it or not, you know, that, yeah, that would be yeah. the ideal thing. I've done a live show um, in the beginning of uh, when just when uh, I think that was the summer last year, where. I worked with a, uh, a group of guys who devised, who, who designed a light lighting system. So like uh, only lights, right? So it, no no displays or anything, just objects basically. And they had a system which allowed them to to take any 
anything from my setup, like the individual uh, audio uh, streams and and some MIDI clock and whatever. And they had a way to to bring that into uh, their um, control situation, or they could just ignore it. And so they improvised themselves. So they performed the the light piece, but sometimes they took little uh, pieces of data to to make the interaction between the music more clear. So it's yeah. that, that's actually the best way thing, best way to do it, I guess. Yeah, I think um, you know we we we. I think we started off like that and then we uh, went, came away from it a little bit, but we always had it in our minds that we were going to go back to it. Um, and I think Susie's concentrated a lot on her actual art, on, on, on the actual drawing of the animations and, and putting ideas into it. And she's been doing a lot of environmental uh, stuff and, you know, she's, there's always a theme behind everything she does. So uh, she's put a lot of energy into that and we've decided to be a bit more like free form with it for a while. So that's where we're at with it. But yeah, I totally agree. You know, it, it's, a, you know, we, we thought about it and we haven't, you know, we will be doing stuff like that at some point. I think uh, time just goes by so quickly, you know, we, we, we sort of had a, a five-year plan and then that stretched out to 10 years. And, <laughs> yes, you know, we, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, we're still developing it. It's, it's the same with me and the, and the improvisation on the modular, you know. I, I, change the, I change it round every week. I'm pulling modules out and replacing them. Uh, you know, it, it just I'm just never satisfied. It, it, I'm always trying to improve it. And Susie's the same with the visuals. She, she's always wanting it better, you know, more resolution. You know, she's had to buy better computers. You know, uh, the software's getting better. The soft, you know, the... So it's getting to the point now where everything's almost perfect. We've just got to see what we can do with it, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's it's... Oh, hey. hey, Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> Hi, Dennis. Uh, so, yeah, so um, it's like I say, it's a bit different for us because of that. Um, but we haven't, the main thing is we haven't done any live streams. So um, that's something for the future, something else to do. I think we, we just seem to always be busy doing something. We always seem to, you know, it's been weird because of, the COVID thing, having no gigs. I mean, we haven't done a gig. Um, the last gig I did was with Sebastian in Colombia. Uh, he played there too. And that was in February last year. And it it's kind of, it, you'd think in that time you would have so much time to, to do stuff, but it's just gone. And <laughs> I haven't really had, you know, the inspiration at first was, wasn't there. I, I kind of, I wanted to, we, we, we decided we wanted to grow all our own food. So we, we started doing that. We hadn't done that before. And we built a polytunnel and we landscaped a, a garden to grow vegetables. And so we spent a lot of time doing that. And we only started getting back into the music and the visuals in the autumn. Uh, so we're just getting back into the swing of it, really. Um, uh, and then we'll think about doing live streams and stuff and, 
you know, and then the gigs are going to come back and it'll, yeah, so <laughs> we're never going to get it done. But yeah, yeah that, I, I, I that, said, that's the idea, really. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I you just said something that uh, sparked my mind and it, it's um, pretty much the fate of being a, an artist or a musician. Yeah. You're never satisfied. <laughs> Perfectionism never is satisfied. not <laughs> No, I, I guess you can only be temporarily satisfied, you know. Um, um, it's funny. The, um, I think you know, we maybe should get into this subject. Uh, I was reminded by this uh, that uh, all of us have some kind of uh, education thing going on at the moment. And um, one thing that I, uh, I run into with a lot of uh, students is that... Um, they want things to be perfect and there's just there's just no no way there's no such thing as perfect you know so you can spend days and years making you know tweaking things and being not satisfied but at some point you have to draw the line and move on right so um that is something that i i uh, hear a lot from people who are um getting stuck and need help to uh, be more creative you know the this sort of misconception that it needs to be perfect <laughs> Well, it has to be perfect in a certain way if you don't want to pick on certain frequencies or things like this. But in the, in the sense of education, I've noticed also the moment the modular moon started to function and the students, students started to roll in, the first contact that started to happen. And so the first thing I noticed that it's mainly, first of all, again, coming back to the topic uh, that is uh, psychological work again, you know, like removing the frustration nearby the equipment, removing this door door thinking because for instance I came from also you know making music and logic uh, arranging everything in the perfect sense and then you suddenly go into modular you know where you are infinite in, fr in it's front pretty I much it's the opposite mm. way yeah uh -huh. and so you need to rewire the brain and that's uh, takes it takes time uh, until that start to happen to people so yeah I've noticed that as well this uh, I call it psychological work, you know, the removing the fear of, or um, shame. You know, a lot of people are very shy that other people will hear them patching and not making immediately a, you know, hit. So, you know, so, yeah, you really see that it's, uh, that people have these mental blocks and you start to, they are, you immediately, you see the person and it's uh, all in the face, you know written and uh, so first thing I start to address those moments and I say okay I see a fear in here let's talk about that first and then I will tell you the technical side how you can drop what how, how you can do what you asked me about you know so yeah in a sense yeah it's both you know you work uh, individually with every person and um, it's like chirurgy you know everyone comes to you with their uh, problem yeah, in a way and there you go you start to cut open it up <laughs> remove all the <laughs> what you what is disturbing the person to actually open up and then clean it all up put a healing balm <laughs> stitch it back and you know off you go <laughs> and you see the reflection you you see it through through the at least uh, in my case i, I am focused only on modular world only in Eurorack. Uh, okay of course we want to go to 5u to bigger formats and but that's that's which is also having modular format but that's kind of different story we focus on Eurorack. 
And you really see through five months of classes, they come to you with an empty case or no case at all. Or, and then suddenly this start to puzzle. And you see that it's like reflection of their mind, you know, in a way. Mm. But yeah, it's interesting journey. It's interesting to, uh, you really feel happy when you really see the person is happy. You know, you really start. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I agree. It's a very satisfying, uh, fulfilling thing to, to see others making progress because you are able to sort of put them on the right path or something. It's a really um, rewarding uh, experience. Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. For example, sometimes uh, you, usually I take five months of teaching and then I take a month of break. And then during the second cycle, I uh, call Jakob and I say, Jakob, you're doing the second cycle because I want to make music now. So I always balance it out because at some moment you're like, oh, okay, I'm really teaching, teaching and not really doing music now. And I actually, you know, you start to feel that and uh, forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, well, maybe, maybe explain or explain to people what what, what is, what is the, 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 the school. It's Modular Bloom, right? That's the, that's the project. Modular Moon. Moon, sorry, sorry. Modular, Modular Bloom, yeah, it, it blooms. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's maybe a good one for a t-shirt. <laughs> Modular Bloom. That's a good one. Uh, uh, it's actually Tim Burton has this movie. There was this Mr. Bloom, you know, when you see the big fish, it's called one of my favorite movies also. But anyway, shifting to another but it's a physical uh, it's a physical place right so it's not an online it's also thing. right so yeah. people visit there yeah yeah of course with corona you have to adapt and for instance that round a lot of students were stuck at the border alex is also here he asked me to say hi i, I tell him hi alex paulos is one of our students uh, his teacher is jacobo uh, so my, uh, I really don't like online thing. I'm really like, uh, I can't wait until we can take all those like uh, mouse masks and put the fire gun and burn that, you know, and yeah. come back to nothing, our normal life. <laughs> of course, nothing, nothing, nothing beats uh, actual human contact, you know, yeah. but uh, that's just mm -hmm. the way it is at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, at least we do have the internet, you know. <laughs> Imagine this would happen. It would have happened twenty years ago. We would have all been stuck and uh, and depressed. <laughs> now we can. Now we can actually hook up, you know, and um, um, yeah, be, with, be with other people. Sometimes I'm educational. For me, with the educational perspective, which we started before the the, the pandemic, so that was a big intention we had. Um, earlier than that and with Circle of Live uh, had workshops and the plan was to have physical retreats here uh, in the woods in the hotel that I run with my wife and suddenly the pandemic came and was like because my idea was also really physical you know mm. to meet people to do it in a space to because sure that's know, always the way better yeah it's something very special but I was so amazed because we started then and it was also a lot thanks to my manager because we run Circle of Live together and he said, you know, you love to teach. Now is the opportunity for you to to do it online. And I was like, Yeah, but I you know, I don't like it online. Let's try it. Give it a give it a try. And we said, Okay. So we started in Bloom and, and we had the first cycle which Stevie also joined to check out. Um and it was much, much better than I ever expected. And 
Uh, it's not an offline thing. It, it's interactive. It's one once a week. It's 11 episodes. So it's almost three months together with a group of people. So we have 35 in each class. And 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 what happened there? What I felt is that I really realized the positive side of it, because I still think that it's something special doing it physical. But now, like we started the, my fourth cycle uh, yesterday, and now I have three parallel classes a week, and so it's almost over 100 people. Um, wow. And we have people from China, from Japan, Australia, Georgia, Turkey, Iran, Colombia, Brazil, Ecuador, Chile, Canada. You know, these people would never, ever be able to come to my hotel in Sweden, mm. pay the flights and pay a fee of 1,000 euro to attend, you know, with food and catering. And, you know, it's very expensive. Now I can give certain people a scholarship for free and they can join with absolutely not paying anything and that wouldn't be possible if it was physical. And so I really see also like I think that maybe we shouldn't go into the COVID thing but there are things starting now that, that can be blended yeah. with the things we did before and you can take and, and continue with the things that actually really worked and yeah and then start with other stuff as well and find a balance like what what are the good things with an online perspective very you know, true you can meet people yeah you can start the process and then for people who really wants to go deeper then you can meet and then you can do things together for example um, so i I'm, I'm in that way i think that's one of the only good thing that happened to me in this <laughs> pandemic situation is that really you know putting it together and be in a way forced a little bit to be creative and really do something uh, which will stay mm -hmm. so yeah yeah at least it's a way out at the moment of course i think i hope we will go out from that uh, soon enough you know and i think the future events will be uh, a hybrid between uh, physical life and again stay still I don't think that people will refuse the streaming immediately after COVID will stop because I think it will still have its own power in a way because there's other things opened up also for instance clubhouse thing you know where you meet up all the other um, people from all over the world and that was also wouldn't be possible if there was no this situation uh, so yeah, it's this crisis is they generate uh, those ideas on the edge, like we call, and because you have to react to what's going on in the world and find the way out uh, from that. So, yeah, but of course, my my personal wish is to be back into the forest, you know, <laughs> to the party, <laughs> and we are together and we are hugging again, you know, like it's really also worrying me, honestly, at the moment, because we're getting used to this distancing thing, and that's for me, it's a bit like I started to notice that from myself as well, you know, you meet up people and they're like, oh, wait a second, like, should I shake your hand or not, you know, like, it's kind of like, uh, we, like, I think the the key here is the balance, so we don't lose the harmony, you know, between those two, because uh, we are very uh, uh, fast going into all these counterparts, you know. Human mind is very easily going into negative to positive, and so yeah, the balance is somewhere in between. Yeah, I mean, the good the, there there are 
many good things I think that came out of it because uh, mm -hmm. it showed uh, flexibility of of, uh, of people, you know, and mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, a lot of things that uh, that are happening now are basically invented to overcome this problem, but are are very valuable in in their own right, you know. So um, so yeah, I think uh, there is. <laughs> Sven van der Heide, it would be a shame to lose all this when we go back to normal. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're not going to lose everything. I think uh, uh, Sebastian is right and it will be, um, we will use the things that we have learned from it and, um, and uh, yeah, and, and then do the things that we want to do uh, if, if uh, you know, all the things are sort of lift, all the restrictions are lifted, you know. I think there's going to be a combination what do you think, guys? What would be the first? How do you would see the like? Maybe you have a certain vision, like a prediction, like imagine the situation. If I would be able to predict it, I would. Uh, I would not be doing this, and uh, and I would be on the stock market. You know, I don't know. But <laughs> no, <laughs> well, but I, I have no idea how it's going to go. But you know, it's. Um, I don't want to get too much into the the, the whole COVID thing, but. Um, mm -hmm. Um, it is just uh, to me. It's it's really really good to see to, uh, people uh, connecting in different ways. And uh, mm -hmm. what one thing that struck strikes me a lot is that uh, you know a lot of things that used to be used to have a lot of hurdles, like connecting with other people, are are way easier now because everybody's in the mm -hmm. same boat. And there's all these layers of uh, formality that are stripped away. You can basically the playing field is pretty much level, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and um, and that has um, showed uh, or, or caused a lot of uh, beautiful initiatives and and uh, projects, you know, that uh, eventually connect people in in a different way, which is amazing. I think one thing, one thing that that forced uh, or opened the door is that some of us a bit older. <laughs> persons uh, that for me like I didn't know what this what discord was I didn't know what twitch was before the pandemic you know I, I was not in I that world I, I don't care about these I don't <laughs> care about these things very much and suddenly now that's normal for me now I have a big community for our in bloom school on discord and and suddenly it's I think what can be good here is that generations will also be able to meet because if you talk to people that are between 12 and 18, all these digital forums and platforms are completely normal. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that is a problem in the world is when generation separates uh, and we have, and, and we need integration between cultures. We need integration between age groups, generations, etc. And the pandemic also forced some of us older artists to actually look into the eyes and, and the habits of younger people and we can learn from each other and, mm. and that creates balance. Um, it's like I, I heard was a few years ago was uh, on the news in Sweden this whole debate on like oh how much screen time should your kids have and you know how should you ban them from the games etc etc. Mm -hmm. When you have kids that naturally becomes a question uh, in your life how, how shall you address that and how shall you approach that and then it was this group of parents that was like, yeah, every week we meet with our kids and we let them choose what games we're going to play online because we don't want to create this separation where games are bad. You know, mm -hmm. digital platforms are bad 
and we have no insight, no clue what it is. We just put this pressure of guilt on them. Uh, and that's something that I really connected to, uh, and also something I do with my kids. Like I play, you know, dopamine games like Brawl Stars with my son, and we collect gems, and we want to get new, you know, characters. And suddenly, you can talk about it. Suddenly, you can also share the feelings of, oh, I'm really hooked on this. What's addiction? How can you, how can you share your values with other people, other cultures? from different generations if you do not share a platform together with. So I think this has have also helped us to meet in these places. And hopefully also us uh, kind of Stone Age people have something to give teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not that old. <laughs> but you know, I can reflect a lot because actually my son is like, he didn't went, didn't go to sleep. I hear it now. He's still like uh, Roblox. And, but I agree on that because this uh, guilt thing, it was also kind of that what I was detecting in myself. I was like, hmm, maybe I don't pay him enough attention or maybe I'm too busy with my music. It's kind of like, it's very comfortable. He's in the iPad and I can be busy with my stuff. So I guess this guilt thing is basically our own guilt. Then we start to take out on the project on our kids. But actually, if to look at that, he is super advanced already now. You know, he can install and he knows how half of the things he knows about programming. I have no clue how he learned that, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like in a way, yeah, like uh, accepting the progress and this uh, online streaming mentality that we have a possibility to share now, which is actually, like you said, absolutely normal for generations like our kids. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a form of progress of society in a way, you know, that, yeah, indeed, the world will be way more virtually uh, and way more introvert in the future. Uh, like virtual reality is going to be also advanced and, you know, they also keep on developing platforms where you can have the avatar and all these things, you know? So, yeah, I think it's trajectory that the human society took according to the technology progress and it goes naturally. Again, there must be a balance because sometimes I see uh, too much, like, uh, for instance, I, I didn't know that he was waking up at night and taking iPads at some point and I accidentally saw that by going to the toilet, I see the light in the room. I'm like, amazing. He was all this time sneakily taking an iPad and I haven't had no clue, you know? <laughs> so that, that becomes an addiction way. So I had to talk to, uh, like, we have social helpers, uh, psychologists, you know, who can tell you what exactly is going on and how you can deal with that. So then I talked to him and I said, okay, we have this, you know, now eight o'clock, it's time to sleep. Please don't take iPads at night. I don't feel very nice about it. You know, I had to do all the conversation with him. And of course, being a little bit strict for a couple of weeks and taking iPad, you know, hiding it and stuff like that. So yeah, there's this, again, question of balance, you know, it can easily go different ways. And I think in a way we have opportunity also because we can project our own stock, uh, the social platforms situation, and then maybe be a bit more cautious for the future generations so they would not be too deep in that because there still must be balance, you know, must be, we're still physical beings, you know, and we shouldn't uh, like uh, 
the danger, I guess, could be where you start to confuse the virtual world with the physical world, and you know. So th- there must be this healthy balance, I think. It's it's all about human connection in the end, you know. So um, whatever tools there that come along, you know, as uh, as long as the connection is genuine, I don't think it's something to be afraid of. Uh, but anyway, uh, I wanted to ask Stevio because you've you've got you've had this uh, education uh, program going on as well, right? And and you do one on one classes. That's what you just told us. No yeah, groups, it- just one on one. Yeah, just one-on-one. Uh, I do it through uh, in Bloom, the Circle of Live uh, thing Sebastian set up. Um, and, yeah, I've only just started. I've been doing it a couple of months. Um, and, yeah, it's it's really interesting. The, the, the strangest thing is that uh, a lot of the guys have basically seen my videos and they've gone out and bought some of the modules. This, this <laughs> is before I started doing it. Uh, they've gone out and bought certain modules that, that I've got. And the first thing they ask me always is, oh, well, you know, how did you get that sound from that module? And uh, So it's been quite easy for me because it, it, I'm, you know, it's, it's quite easy to connect with them because they've already, they've already got the modules. And so it's, it's been a lot easier than I was expecting because when I first started doing it, um, I was a bit, nervous that maybe the guys who I was trying to uh, teach were it had completely different setups to me with you know n- new modules that I didn't know anything about and because I, most of my gear I bought at the beginning when I started and, and that was 12 years ago and I, I've obviously bought newer modules since then but it, the, the bulk of my modules are the old the, the old ones and and it, it's kind of slightly old school uh, modular and uh, I was worried that the, the, the new guys coming in would have bought all the latest sort of boutique modules that I wouldn't have a clue what they were um, so I, I asked all my uh, students beforehand to tell me what what gear they've got I send me uh, photographs or modular grid uh, patterns to show me what they what they've got and and I found that most of them had similar modules to me and there was a few there's been a few guys that had a completely different set of set of gear to, to what I've got um, but it hasn't turned out to be a problem because all I do is I just go and check it out and see what it does and I, you know, so, I can so it's actually advice. so it's it's a fairly technical um, kind of uh, yeah. class then what you do yeah it's like, yeah uh, yeah it, it, yeah it's it is pretty much purely technical right um, it, uh, well technical not not technical in the sense that we're discussing the ins and outs of individual modules uh, it's more about how to use your rig in an improvisational way. Mm. Um, and so I'm explaining my my routings and stuff because when you look at a, a bunch of modules on a, on modular grid, um, you you know you don't necessarily know what the person's doing with that. Everyone does mm. com- can do completely different things with the same bunch of modules. Um, so a lot of the time, the guys are wanting to know, well, how did you you know how are you routing your your sequences? How are you getting your how are you doing your pitch CVs for your VCOs and you know so it's 
it's it's not too difficult for me to to teach this sort of thing because I'm sort of almost teaching them how I'm doing it, but I don't want that. I don't necessarily want that to be. Yeah, I don't want to say this is the only way you can do it, but I'm trying to sort of keep it a bit open. So yeah, I'll say, true, well, this is this. But it's it's very logical that people uh, who are uh, reaching out to you and, and trying to to learn from your um, knowledge, um, you know, want this, want to hear this from you, so they have a starting point. You know, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you get like Stevio clones all over the world. No, but it, it gives them like uh, something to work with, and then you know, once they get a head around it, they can sort of venture off in their own uh, direction. I guess. I mean, most of the guys I've, they, you know, I've heard some of the music they do, so that it's not, it's not the same music necessarily. I think mm. it's, you know, it's just techniques that they've seen on videos, and they think, well, you know, how's he doing that, or, you know, mm. what's he doing there? And I'm just explaining how I do it, but I'm not trying to say this is the only way. I'm saying, you know, this is what you can do, uh, but you could also try this or try that. Um, and mm. it's quite often some of the guys are asking which modules, you know, which like which sequencer would you uh, suggest I buy? And I mean, I know what sequencer I'm, I, I I use four sequencers. They're all exactly the same, and they're Dofa sequencers, and they're huge. And that's no good to most people because they've got small cases like skiff cases and things like this. So I say to them, well, look, this is this is what I'm doing with it. This is what's, what's good about it. Um, if you can find something that fits in a quarter of the space that does something similar, then, you know, that's great. And I've already bought those modules. I've, I've had them since I started, really. Uh, and I love them, and I'm not really wanting to change that. Um, but I realize that now you can get things that are much smaller that, that do almost the same thing. Uh, so I, I'm just sort of pointing them in a direction, really. Um, yeah. uh, it's more about how, how I route things than the actual modules themselves, um, which people seem to want to know about, and and how to make it improvisational in the sense that you just reach out and you make some music without thinking. You don't, you know, you don't have to think. All oh, right, I'm going to program this into here and program that into there. And I think most of the guys that say that that's why they got into modular because they got sick of using a computer and they didn't want to sit in front of a computer. Uh, they wanted to, you know, get into more sort of physical side of it. Mm. And I mean, as an example, I'm sitting on a chair here and I have to confess, this is the first time ever I've had a chair in my studio ever. <laughs> I've never had a chair in my studio Mm. This is the first time it really is. That's the honest truth. Uh, and as you can see, the speakers are quite high up because I stand up and dance when I'm making the music. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you in that sort of scenario, you can't be concentrating on something. You have to. It has to be sort of out in front of you, and you've got to be able to just go with the flow with it. So I'm sort of. This is what I'm trying to get over to to the guys that come on the course uh, on the one to ones. They just that, you know, if you're making dance music, you've got to dance really while you're doing it. It's, you know, it's sort of because then you sort of get into it in a, in a different way. You kind of flow with it. Um, so I'm just trying to show them how I can, how I do it so that it's not difficult to 
to do that because it could be if you have tiny little modules with tiny little knobs and you're trying to jam on them then you know it, it can it can go wrong and so i suppose yeah i'm, I'm just giving an overall overview of of, the, of improvisation with them so yeah mm. it's funny you see you say that about no chair in your <laughs> in your studio it does make a difference a hell of a lot of difference how you um uh how you can actually access your gear, you know, whether it's on a on a desk or, or or is it high is it high up or are you sitting down or standing up? You know, it, it makes a lot of difference. Um, I know I, I had studios most of the time. Uh, everything was based, you know, around a screen with the speakers and and then you know gear was sort of uh, on the sides, you know. But now I've I've completely abandoned that idea, and it's the speakers and the and, and the computer kind of position is still there, but uh, where the where the music is made is is uh, you know maybe you can see behind me there's a massive table just in the middle of the of the room, and for every project I build a new setup, and those can live there for I don't know days or weeks uh, or whatever however however long it takes or until I get bored with it. And then I just strip everything down, build a new setup. So it's like my way of restricting, but also just to have you know this feeling of you actually working on on a project with a, a certain amount of gear, with a certain idea, uh, a certain system, and and then you know just squeeze everything out of it that's possible, and then just move on and, and try to go something completely different. But it's all standing up, you know, just behind it, gives me the feeling I'm. A scientist, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm working on uh, on a big table, and it's it, yeah, it's just a much nicer feeling. And then and you can walk around, you know. You have a, a, a very different, uh, yeah, very different atmosphere in the room. If 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 there's more activity, you know, it's more sort of, I don't know. It works for me. Works a lot, a lot, a lot better than uh, sitting down and just always be in the same position. That's that's interesting. I've never seen anyone do do what you're doing before. That's really really good idea. Um, I, I yeah, suppose in a sorry, go, go. <laughs> no, no, in a way, that's what this stuff is over on this side. You can't see it all it's down here, but it's mm. like, uh, it's a bit like your table. I, I just try new things out and, and then if something works, I think, right, okay, I've got to somehow incorporate that into the, into the main rig. So the minute I've got this little thing going on here, it's connected to that, but I can't take that out live with me, so it's, I've either got to incorporate it and take some other things out of there and to put that in. So yeah, it's it's a sort of similar sort of idea, but having it on a big table in front of you like that is a really cool idea. I really like that. Yeah, you don't have a neck pain. Sorry, you don't have a neck pain because I was thinking maybe to do like a, on the wall to put them like a you know like a painting on the wall, and then you can patch. And I thought to put the speakers like that, like because ah. I started to notice like all this uh, starts a little bit. So I, like I, I saw. Oh, okay, okay. Jan Jan Willem, a friend of mine, he does this. Uh, it's a brand. Uh, why am I bad with names? Uh, but anyway, he made like a pay, like a duper case i hundred. He just attached it to the wall, and I thought, wow, that's brilliant. You can just stand, patch. Go aside, uh, listen, you know, and like, and then because I noticed all this starts to hurt uh, with time, you know, 
like I use Nerd Sequencer, so sometimes I have to do a lot of programming inside of it. And I was like, at some points, even taking system to the couch because I couldn't, like, ah, all the time, you know, you're physical, you get start to tired, to uh, get tired a little bit. So yeah, it's uh, like I thought would be interesting. Would be. I yeah, bought having, like a having a modular on, having a modular on the wall is interesting as well. Yeah, that's it's uh-huh. a nice idea. Yeah, but the, the, the table is not just for me. I mean, there's there's a I do a lot of collaborations, and I just like to uh, to have uh, the room. If you if you have mm-hmm. a setup, if you make a setup together to do a collaboration, you can actually face mm-hmm. each other. You know, um, you know, because you're having a a conversation basically. So it's nice mm-hmm. to see the other person's energy and stuff like that. You know, That's so true. Um, and there's just way too much gear in the in the lab here to have. Mm-hmm all connected at one in one mm-hmm. go you know and so if you know i had i had setups like this in the past you know and then you want to use the filter of this machine and you have to run for the for the mute button on the other side of the room blah 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 you know it's all just just impractical so i just you know i just narrowed my stuff down to one setup that is in one place for mm-hmm. that project and uh and when it's done everything is back to on the shelves you know there's there's mm-hmm. no no there's no fixed um Connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, we're nearing two hours. I wanted to give uh, Sebastian um, an opportunity to explain a little bit more about uh, about the educational program. I was actually wondering, how do you deal with so many people in one class? How do you manage that? You mean thirty-five people? Yeah. Um, how does it work technically? <laughs> Uh, no, it, I have quite a clear, you know, the course is, is uh, uh, it's an introduction class which is more of, you know, everyone getting a chance to talk to each other, introduce themselves, sharing a little bit, also me kind of going through all the technical aspects and how to raise your hand and how, how I suggest so, how to... So everybody is there at the same time in, in one screen then? Yeah. Wow, okay. it's on Zoom. Uh, yeah, so yeah, okay, uh, okay. But then the other ten episodes are quite focused. So it's, it's ten different topics, uh, and uh, which I go through everything from improvisation, playing live, my studio setup, meditation, nature, all kind of different topics. Uh, but in the class, I, I, I really, really encourage people to ask questions. There is always a lot of slots for people to ask questions. I try not to use the chat. Uh, I, I try to encourage people to unmute themselves and ask the questions because for me that, that is really the deal breaker to kind of crack the digital distance. Mm. When I feel someone is actually asking a question, there is a real curiosity, it's much easier for me to actually share something that I feel uh, uh, for them. Um, so normally it's... and. I try to have the classes the main topic for two hours. Um, so what I try to say, I try to keep for two hours, but normally the classes are three to four hours. So uh, I, in the end, I also stay much longer if people have questions to really give room for these 35 people. So everyone that wants to ask questions have the room in each class to actually do that. Um, but like in all physical classrooms, you're, you have different personalities. Um, some people ask a lot of questions, other people are a bit more shy. Mm. Um, some people prefer to do it in the chat, and then of course I can do that. But so far, it's, uh, it's, it's, I haven't felt a problem with 35 people. <laughs> and it's quite amazing how, 
And also now we have a community. So everyone that joins a class, and it's not only me, we, it's, you know, Stevio, Frank Wiedemann from AM have his mentorship. Erica from Detroit, she just started her uh, mentorship. Uh, Pepe, uh, Voices from the Lake, is starting his. Matt Carmel is going to start his. We have a booking agent, uh, Alma, from the previous backroom. She is starting a whole course about uh, how to do your bookings, how to be an agent. So we have a lot of different teachers, and all the people that goes to a course can join our community. So now we have quite a big community uh, with people uh, kind of joined together in a Discord forum, but all kind of different things are happening in this community. You know, people are starting groups together, uh, live streams every week, people invite each other for podcasts, and, you know, yeah. and people are from all around the world. So, you know, all these things start to spark. Yeah. Um, and, and it often starts somehow in these Zoom classes. So people already start to feel a connection. You know, someone asks a question, another person gets really curious about that, and then they continue these conversations in the Discord chat after the class. So in that way, it's not also an isolated thing where you have a class once a week and then you don't meet these people. There is a chance to actually meet these people outside of the classes as well. Yeah, perfect. I mean, that's that's exactly the, the same way we do it. You know, we have the mm. um, uh, we have this this series, the Noptuilas Hangout, and we have this private Noptuilas Hangout where people uh, can join. You know, uh, not not in public, but just talking to me. And um, basically, they they pay for one hour, uh, and but they can stay around when the other people having their their hours. So they stay around in the background, and so they can listen to listen into the other. Um, classes basically with with other individuals, so they are one on one in a sense, but their other people are following it. You know, the people who have who yeah. are in that same day uh, joining the private Noptuilas hangout, they are basically getting three or four hours because there's uh, more people. Um, That's a really interesting approach. Yeah, I mean, why why would you just um, say you know, uh, okay, your hour is over, bye. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's if 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 they can stay around and learn from each other, that's that's cool too. And then at, at, exactly like your situation um, with the not toilet hangout, it it continues on the Discord server when we are not streaming, and it's a it's a really nice community. And all these initiatives happen there. There's you know people hooking up with each other, remixing each other, doing streams together. So it's it's a really nice thing. Um, it's really really rewarding and encouraging to see that's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, people, two hours. Um, usually, well, what we do. <laughs> I mean, I can gone. I can talk to you guys forever. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, continue. <laughs> let's continue. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe another. another there was day. a question actually. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, well. Okay. Let's do the last question then. Um, oh. What one equipment would our guests choose to take with them in a spaceship? <laughs> I guess that's the question, you know, uh, your desert island uh, record or your desert island synth kind of question. Well, yeah, I don't have that problem. Uh, I, <laughs> I have 7U case, which is, you know, customized for my own performance. So I guess I will take that. It has everything, interface, line-in, whatever. <laughs> I know, so it's completely... I will bring a piano. Piano. But that's heavy, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. heavy for space. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think about that. I once had the yeah, idea to uh, to build my studio inside a sea container. So I could basically uh, 
relocate whenever I wanted. I never did it, but uh, that would be my <laughs> desert island solution. Just bring my <laughs> container. <laughs> but there is problem. There is no electricity on the desert island. Ah, yeah. Well, on the on the desert island where I go to, there is electricity. Trust me. You can do the bicycle thing. As a Dutch, you know, you have a lot of. <laughs> Otherwise, oh yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Steve, any um, any any idea? Mm, that's a difficult one. The thing is, you can't just take one. You can't just take one module, can you? It's not going to be much use. Yeah, it's pretty so pointless. I, 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 I would take. I would just take these two case, or maybe just one case. If I'm only allowed one case, then one. One, this one, this this case here. Take the favorite one. <laughs> that's going to be a hard choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the. This is that's the. No. <laughs> yeah. This one's the. Yeah. Uh, the melodic case and the tuned percussion and this one is just like percussion with that's not tuned so kick uh -huh. drums well kick drums tuned but hi-hats and all that snare drums and stuff and this this other case is all anything that's tuned anything that's got any any uh pitch cvs in it so yeah so i would t i definitely think i would take that one yeah <laughs> 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 fair enough that's a that's a fair answer yeah um yeah usually we spend the last few minutes uh giving everybody uh in the chat an opportunity to uh plug their stuff like where can we find your music where can we find your classes your what do you want people to know about you now right you can basically plug whatever you want uh maybe we start with um sebastian as he's uh sitting next to me over there <laughs> <laughs> I can tap into you. Oh, I feel the connection. You can uh, shake hands. Uh -huh, be careful. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. High five. Um, we, our educational platform, uh, uh, Circle of Live in Bloom. You just search for Circle of Live in Bloom, and it comes up. There you can read about my course and all the other teachers and everything we do there. Uh, on my own website. SebastianMerlock.com. Uh, you have links and all the stuff I'm doing at the moment. Um, some nice releases coming up. I have quite a few projects together with Dorisborg, Alex at the moment, coming on some different labels. Uh, also have a new album in the making with a classical ensemble, uh, which are coming out later. We have a concert at the concert hall in Malmo in May. Awesome. It's going to be streamed. But uh, so um, some different things. But I try to keep it updated on on my SebastianMuller.com website. I was actually going like, to ask I, you uh, about the classical thing. I totally didn't have time to fit that in, but uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> next time. Yeah, very next intriguing. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Thanks, yep. uh, Sebastian. Yep. Um, Stevio, anything uh, we, you want to point out to people? Uh, well, yeah, uh, just uh, reiterating what Seb said about the um, the in bloom. Um, uh, my my courses, well, my one to one sessions are on uh, the in bloom circle of live in bloom, um, and I've got a, an album on the go at the moment. I'm busy working on it. It's hopefully going to be out and. Few months, but I can't really say anything about that at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I've 
I'm, I, my website isn't really in action at the moment, so there's no point in plugging it, really. Um, well, you have a you have a, a bandcamp with all your releases, right? So um, yeah, but that, that's probably. I mean, my SoundCloud page is probably where you'll be able to listen to pretty much everything. Um, so that's that's just Stevio SoundCloud Stevio, um, and my Bandcamp page again is just Stevio, um, and I put, I'm putting everything everything I'm putting out now I'm putting on Bandcamp, so that's the best place if you want to buy any of my tunes. That's the best place for it, uh, and there's vinyl and digital. So so yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Great. Yeah, I would definitely encourage uh, uh, people to have a look. Uh, Sandra is posting the link now to your Bandcamp page, uh, Stevio. So uh, have a look there. It's uh, um, yeah, it's not mod- it's modular not, improvisations or can be found there. Yeah, it's not it's not a comprehensive uh, amount of stuff. It's select things from different periods and and I put all my new stuff up there. So it, anything I'm bringing out now will be up there. So yeah, you will see it. Great. Awesome. Good to know. Um, Anna, anything you want to share? Uh, Yes. Uh, I want to show the book, of course. Uh, So, you know, the modular moon uh, is a method uh, of learning modular and it addresses uh, a person with zero experience. So this method is described in the book. Uh, We have printed uh, 1,000 more. Uh, So first 500 is sold and there is 1,000 more we printed, so uh, grab yours, <laughs> because all these boxes in my office are annoying. <laughs> so, you know, there it is. It's on the website, and you can find it, and it's connected to the platform where every patch in the book is shown. So basically, this method is addressing the functions of building blocks instead of the brands. And so first we explain how the VCO is working. First we start with physics of sound, then we shift into AuroRack, explaining what what is AuroRack actually, what is uh, refers to the whole industry, and then we go to building blocks, block per, per block, VCO, VCF, VCA, all the basic things you cover through the book. We deliberately did uh, chapter per chapter, and it's. Theory plus practice. So the moment you read something, you immediately practice that. And on the platform, you see extra explanations, extra little tips, extra bonus patches. So basically, this will bring you from zero to hero. And uh, so I would like to highlight that. I didn't write it alone. I wrote it with Pete Johnston as a good friend of mine and a big professional. He's uh, working in... uh, they're creating mixers, mixing consoles for uh, Arena Amsterdam, you know, big uh, places. So, yeah, so take that. <laughs> That's number awesome. one. Uh, and, yeah, it's, I mean, it's available also if you're not in Amsterdam because, we, of course, we have classes in Amsterdam and in Mexico at the moment. So also if you speak Spanish and really want to learn modular, there is uh, classes now running at Mexico City, uh, also through Zoom, same as, uh, in, as Sebastian uh, was describing. It's uh, full, uh, it's around 30 people, and uh, they control it. So it's really, um, you have a lot of feedback with the teachers and stuff like that. Our Amsterdam section is, of course, more into physical 
world and I do also online things uh, at the moment time after time but I'm more into actual like a real world uh, person so if online then there's Jakubu and other teachers which people can apply and another thing I want to show right now this is new thing that's in my life and I'm really happy about it I uh, like I collaborate right now with the uh, manufacturers of synthesizers from Russia and I have a possibility to um, infuse my ideas around the performance and around actually synthesizer architecture uh, into actual creating those uh, devices. So I found those guys through Zweiman. Maybe you know Boba Zweiman when he was still alive. He, yeah. we, were good, we were friends and he is also a Russian speaking person. So at some point he... Uh, showed me this company, it's called uh, Sound Objects, uh, and they are known only in Russia, and mostly the panel was also in Russian, so it was not really, like, there was no uh, connection to Western world. So I found them, and uh, I asked them to translate the panel, and I asked them to create systems that are error compatible, and that would be price available, and so there was a lot of, um, how to say, points where I wanted to to match, you know, because I, I see people who are coming in into modular world. I see it's expensive uh, hobby, huh? So, <laughs> you know. It's a time uh, and money vortex, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, in a way... So, but is, it, is, this, uh, is, this, is this something you're currently working on or can we already find something about that on, online or in, in, in real life? It's already physically present. So, oh, they cool. created five items for me, as a starting uh, set. So they are available on pre-order. So there is already five in physical world. At the moment, I'm writing a manual for that. And manual is also educative because this manual uh, I built uh, with a thought to teach people to understand the synthesizer through the signal flow, through inside, you know, where you see how the electricity is actually flowing and how the interactions when we talk about pre-wired uh, configurations like that, is actually happening in inside. So the manual itself is also indicative in a way. So let's say I would point out there is this VCO. The, we'll, let's talk about this block. We see the all the signal flow, and then we see the inter the modules, the blocks that are influencing the current uh, block. So in the manual, I started to build up this manual. So it will be also educative in a way, you know? So it will mm. teach you to understand the synthesis from the inside of it, because that's where actually the magic happens, you know? When you know what LFO <laughs> mode you need to put on in able to achieve something, yeah, so you need to really look in, inside, you know, in the matrix itself. So the, this manual in, in that sense is unique, I guess, because I realized that it's important for people to understand that that will make their work even more confident, you know? So that's a new thing that comes in my life right now, and I'm very happy about it. And we want to build up educational systems as well, also super aff affordable for people. You know, we opened a section in Mexico, and you understand that the price tag in other countries is very different than in Europe or America, you know? So, um, in that moment, yeah, I'm kind of like trying to balance out and give opportunity to people. In Mexico, there was uh, feedbacks people never knew that existed, you know. So uh, it's called Sound Objects. Uh, I can type objects. the website uh, soundobjects.com. 
sound slash not slash but this thing minus thingy uh, objects dot com. Uh, so I'm gonna launch that uh, next coming days, and I'm really really excited about that. Awesome, actually. amazing, really cool. <laughs> and where can where can people find your uh, music? Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp. Tool- okay. Tulpadusha.org is also, I have the website and you can download directly from me if you want, because uh, like I also have albums on the Modular Moon website. Of course, Bandcamp takes their cut, um, but um, for me, it's either way. You know? <laughs> either way, you can find it anywhere you want. You know? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Um, well, thanks everybody. I really enjoyed it. We've, uh, we've, um, uh, maxed out the two hours by uh, <laughs> by 15 minutes, which is uh, totally fine. Um, but yeah, really good hanging out. Uh, absolutely amazing to speak to you all and pick your brains. Um, yeah, really good. Um, I was um, thanks for oh, the invitation. Yeah, yeah thank I, I, you. absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I'm really happy you, uh, that that we had this opportunity. Uh, I actually want to mention a few things still. Uh, our uh, Discord server, I mentioned it earlier, have a look there. Sander will probably post a link now in the in the chat. Um, it's where all the nerds hang out when we're not online chatting here. it's uh, we're we're over there uh, continuing the conversation, getting to know people and everything. Uh, it's a really nice place. And the other thing is check out our patreon page. That's actually the place where you can sign up for the master classes we do at store and uh, also, there are various other tiers where you get sound packs and other stuff, um, inside information. Um, so have a look there at our Patreon page. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I Maybe I'll just plug the latest release that we did. Uh, the latest final in the archive is uh, our three EPs I did with uh, Charlton. Live improvs uh, cut to vinyl in our, on our own in, in-house uh, lathe uh, room. And they're available now through the store Bandcamp. So, um, yeah, have a look there. Um, that's pretty much it for me now. So, thanks again. Have a nice evening. And thanks for everybody who watched this on Twitch. And, um, yeah, have a nice evening. See you later. See you later, guys. See you. <laughs>